All right, all right, got a question for you. <clears throat> have you ever, have you ever given something up to get something better? Have you ever given something up to get something better? For instance, for instance, maybe you decided, maybe you decided, I am going to start exercising. So you gave up time or you gave up sleep or you gave up laziness to go exercise. Maybe that was, and you expect it because I'm doing this, I am going to get something better. Maybe some of you, maybe some of you decided, hey, uh, I am going to give up certain types of food. Certain types of food, I'm eating too much of sugar, too much of ice cream, too much of hamburgers. I'm going to give up certain types of food so that I can get back something even better, like, you know, arteries. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, it was a lifestyle change. Maybe you were forced into some sort of change like this. If you've ever been diagnosed with diabetes or gestational diabetes. My wife was uh, during two of uh, her pregnancies. Um, uh, maybe it was a lifestyle change. You, you, you had to start taking insulin shots. She didn't, but, but we had to go through some sort of a lifestyle change in order to keep her uh, carb count down and, and, and et cetera. Maybe it was a lifestyle change that, that, that forced you. You got that diagnosis that forced a lifestyle change in order to get something back in return that's even better. Uh, maybe, um, I had one more that I had in mind, but I for, forgot what it, what it was. You, you got my notes right there. Money, that's right. Money, 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 money. You know, you got to pay your bills, right, bills. And uh, maybe you decided I'm too much into debt, so I've got to go through a change. In order to get something back in return, something greater in return, we've got to give something up. And financially, maybe you've come to the point that uh, you've taken Dave Ramsey's advice. Those that live like nobody else now get to live like nobody else later. And you've decided somewhere in your life that I have to go through a change in order to get something better in return. We're finishing up our series, Losing My Religion, where Jesus had a hellfire and brimstone message for the religious leaders, saying, I want you to lose your religion. And the previous six weeks, the previous six episodes, which you can go back and, 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 and take a listen to at cpf.me forward slash listen, uh, get those on demand. If, 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 if we are losing our religion, the natural question is, what are we gaining? What are we getting in return? And Jesus, at the end of his message, he switches his tone. He goes from angry, fiery prophet, or nuclear dad, if you will, nuclear father, if you will. Like, I'm a father. I've never gone nuclear. You either don't have old enough kids or enough kids, one of the two. As we were talking a, a week or so ago, I think that was uh, at uh, uh, Asher's party, or, or Amos's party, I'm sorry, at Amos's party, you know, it's not the first two buttons that get pushed on me, it's the fourth and fifth button, and then it's just nuclear after, after that. Where we see Jesus be like nuclear father, he changes his tone, and it's like he's now the mother coming and picking up the broken pieces. 
And we see him tell the religious leaders what he wants them to gain. In Matthew 23, the very closing verses of Matthew 23, starting in verse 37, we will throw the uh, scriptures up on the screen. We encourage you to download the Bible app uh, on your smartphone or tablet. Uh, It's a great way to be able to read the Bible throughout the week as well. You can sign up for a Bible reading plan. They'll they'll send you push notifications and everything to remind you to read read the Bible. Uh, But we put an event on there. You can can follow along in the event, and we uh, uh, give you options to be able to take notes and post to Facebook and, 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 and the stuff. And we encourage you to post to Facebook what God is sharing with you as well. But Matthew 23, verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Now, that, that, that double pronoun, right? Or uh, proper, proper noun. That double proper noun is showing care, right? Showing care. I mean, the, the, you do this all the time. The first name, middle name. That's nuclear, right? That, that's the nuclear episode. But two first names, that's the care and concern. What are you doing to yourself, Tone? The city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. While there's still warning here, you can hear the motherly tone of, yes, there is warning. However, I am concerned. This is a concern. What does Jesus want them to gain? But let's take a look at, again, kind of the negative, the warning, where he says your, your house is desolate and abandoned. This is an already not yet prophecy. Theology is this way as well, that there is an already fulfillment, but a not yet fulfillment. The, the not yet fulfillment to your house is desolate is A.D. 70 when the Romans come in and completely sack Jerusalem, uh, 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 just destroy the temple and leave Jerusalem in a heap of ruins to not be restored until your history buffs. What year? 1942, right? Right, right? Israel was restored into a nation. 47. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. 47, when Israel was restored to a nation. But there is an already component to this prophecy as well. He said, he said, your house is abandoned and desolate. He's telling them the lights are, the lights are on, but nobody's home. The spiritual lights are on, the religious lights are on, but God is not at home. You think you are on God's team. You think God is impressed with your religiosity. However, your house is completely abandoned. Nobody's home. And the destruction of Israel was actually because already spiritually they were abandoned and desolate. Like, that's an interesting history lesson. Who cares? Well, I think we should. Because all across history and all across biblical history, God was way more concerned about his people's actions than the nation's actions. 
those that were not his people. The prophets in the Old Testament, the prophets, the same prophets that we as the church love to use to be able to say, hey, you out there outside the church is bad. Those prophets were actually talking to God's people, not the nation. God was first going to bring judgment to his people, not the nations. Here's why we should be concerned about this. I've got a question for you. You need to wrestle with this question. Every one of us needs to wrestle with this question. And the more you are in tune with the phrase God and country, the more you probably need to wrestle with this question. Because we need to worship the king, the king of the kingdom. And we need to be a part of his kingdom and not worship America. What if God is bringing judgment upon the American church, not America? What if God is bringing judgment upon the American church, not America? The first century religious leaders that Jesus came across believed that they were to be restored to political power. That's part of the problem with Jesus. That's part of the reason why he was killed, was that he refused to be their political Messiah. Sound familiar? 2016 is coming up, and we're looking for a political Messiah, aren't we, as Christians? What if we refused to anoint a political Messiah? and just decide to vote for a president. It's a big difference between the two. The religious leaders that Jesus came across believed that they should legislate morality. That every time somebody did something wrong, they need to legislate morality. Sound familiar? The religious leaders in Jesus' day believed that they were untouchable. We are God's chosen people. God would never judge us. God would never leave our house desolate. Sound familiar? Religious people in that day had a us for and no more mentality. You could be a part of us for if you looked like us and acted like us and smelled like us and was like us, you'd be more than welcome to. But unless that happened, we would have nothing to do with you. And Jesus pronounced judgment on these people. Does any of that sound familiar? The more we think that could never happen to us, the more we're like the religious leaders because they had that same exact attitude. I want us to be asking a different question. I want us to be asking, is there anything we can do to solve this problem? But you may say, oh, I like this church. This church didn't start the fire. You know what? That's a childish and immature response. I am trying to teach my children eight to two, to take responsibility for their own actions. But you know what a next level is? 
to take responsibility for somebody else's actions, even if you were in the right. That's what Moses did. We're going to look at this in the next series. This is what Moses did. When the people of Israel, he was up having a God moment on the mountain. And the people of Israel were worshiping a golden calf. And after that episode, what did he tell God? God, do not blot them out. But if you are, kill me instead. Wow, right? Taking responsibility for somebody else's sin. Then Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, if you want to go chase this down. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel did not start the fire. He had nothing to do with the reason why that, that God's people was taken into Babylon, into captivity. And why he was in Babylon in captivity. But he, in that prayer, if you go and read that prayer, you think that he had everything to do with the people's sin because he begged God for the nation's forgiveness. He didn't start the fire, but he took responsibility for it. And then somebody else took responsibility for sin that absolutely did not have anything to do with it. A guy by the name of Jesus who from Matthew 23 was only days away from his death on behalf of every person's sin for all time. He definitely didn't start the fire, but he put it out. Whew. I didn't think about that before. That's Facebookable. Jesus didn't start the fire, but he put it out. Are we going to be a church that says, I don't care if we started the fire or not, but we're going to do what we can to put it out. Jesus gives us exactly how to put this out. He told them, come under my wing, come to me as Lord. Come, to, come under my wing, Come to me as Lord. Let's start with the Lord part first. There towards the end, he said, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a direct, direct quote from Psalm 118.26. Blessings just means favor and joy to the one who comes. This concept of comes is more than just coming to him, which it certainly has that aspect, but it has the idea that you are on a journey. You are on a path towards a destination, and you realize that this is the wrong destination. And you go, this is not right. I took a wrong turn at Albuquerque somewhere. And you turn around and decide that this is the right destination. And to come to Jesus as Lord means that you are recognizing that the path of our sin is leading to death and to, and to destruction. It is putting on me a burden, a distress that I cannot bear. And I am tired of it. And to come to Jesus as Lord means that you are looking at this destination and saying, this is not the right destination. And you turn around and say, this is the right destination. 
See, Psalm 118 is a distress psalm. It is an SOS psalm. It is a psalm saying, I am going down. What do I do? Mayday, mayday. 118, 5 through 7 says this, In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. Do you want to be free from your distress? Do you want to be free from your burdens? Do you want to be free from your baggage? The Lord is for me, so I have no fear. What can uh, mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. Come to the Lord because my life is in distress. Come to the Lord because my life, I've got baggage I have got to put down. Come to the Lord because He is rest. Six times in Psalms, and we're going to put these scripture references so you can write them down and go find them later. Six times in Psalms, Jesus or God refers to, or the David or the psalmist refers to God as the one who takes him underneath God's wings. It is no coincidence that Jesus ties these two imageries together that's so strong in Psalms. That if you come to the Lord, you are actually coming to the Lord, coming to Jesus, coming underneath His wings. The idea of a mother hen taking her chicks underneath her wings and leading them and guiding them to where they need to go. The wings of protection. The wings of comfort. The wings of warmth. When we come to Jesus as Lord, we come to Him coming underneath His wings. That we want rest from the distress. Because sin brings distress on us. We finally get tired of it and say, you are my only hope. I want you to cleanse me and I want you to lead me. But guaranteed, this happens to us all. Guaranteed, what happens? When Jesus starts moving us, we're underneath his wings. He starts moving us. What do we say? Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. I, I like over here, but better though. I mean, this is fun right now, right? He's like, no, come. Come underneath my wing. Come underneath my wing. I'm going to lead you to righteousness. That is your joy. That is your blessing. But you know what? Even if we go back, what does he do? He accepts us back with open wings. Right? His wings are always open to take us back underneath them. There's no distance too far that you cannot come back underneath his wings and find rest. But not only does He give us rest from sin, He gives us rest from natural things that occur in our life. The natural disasters and natural occurrences like sickness. He takes us underneath His wings in that. And also the occurrences of somebody else's sin affecting us and bringing distress and burden upon us because somebody else has sinned against us. He brings us underneath His wings for rest and comfort 
But he's also going to lead us to righteousness in those instances. And he will tell us what to post on Facebook in those instances. Probably nothing, by the way. But anyway. (laughs) He will lead us to righteousness, which is our joy. He always... The tone, the tone. He said, I have only, I have only, I have often wanted to gather your children together. This is true back to the Garden of Eden. Think about this in these terms. Isn't the Garden of Eden like God putting Adam and Eve underneath his wings and saying, just rest with me? Wasn't God rescuing them from slavery in Egypt, telling them, just rest underneath my wings? That's where we're going in the next series. We're going to see exactly how Jesus, how Jesus now in the New Testament is saying, you guys should have seen this, because this is exactly what I was trying to tell you in Exodus. Old school, our new series, starting next week. We're going to have some fun with the 90s. Maybe a Fresh Prince reference or two during this series, all right? Maybe. Then we're going to see that Jesus, God, intended this from the very beginning. And now, He wants us to find rest in His wings, and He wants to give that to you today. Now, God is here in his spirit, but he's not literally here. He can't like literally like give us a hug, right? So who are his hands and feet today? The church. For those of you in distress, no matter what distress or why you're in distress, we want to be God's people bringing you underneath his wings this morning. Now you might be like, underneath his wings, like, like underneath the arms, like you want me to come into your armpits? What? That's where the metaphor breaks down, okay? That's, don't, don't go there. But the idea, the idea of rest, guidance, protection, calm, peace, connection, and warmth of being able to find that in Jesus is what we want you to find in his people because that's what he wants of his people. If you come this morning in complete duress and distress, If you come this morning, maybe you're not even a fan of Jesus, just checking this thing out. I invite you to come underneath his wing this morning and say, I want your salvation. I don't know what all it looks like, but if this is the metaphor, I want that. There'll be people in the back looking to help bring you underneath God's wings. Not their armpits, God's wings. Paul, don't do that, right? God's wings, not yours. 
But if the fan thing is settled for you, the salvation thing is settled for you, but maybe you're still there going, I need his rest. Use this time of reflection to find his rest. To pray, cry out to God for his rest. Those same people are there for you to pray with you in the back. But I invite you to start on the prayer work for this week. Because all Jesus wants is you to gain his kingdom. That's it. Gain his kingdom. Because that's where we'll find rest. Start praying this week, every day of this week. Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, your kingdom. Not to those evil people out there. Lord, your kingdom come to me. To me. So that I can share your kingdom with the people around me. Imagine a people. Imagine a people that's about rest, that's about peace, that's about, that's about uh, uh, protection, that's about comfort. Imagine being that people for those in the middle of duress. That's what the gospel is, and that's what a gospel-centered people will do. Imagine that. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this day, and I just pray, Lord, that you will guide us. Guide us to be a people, those that consider themselves cross-pointers, to be a people of comfort and peace and rest. Lord, I pray that people this morning will find exactly that, will come underneath your wing and find rest. Find rest. A respite from the duress that is life. Help us. Thank you and we love you. It's in the name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and stand. Worship the one who wants to give you comfort this morning.